Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night to everyone else in the world. This is 98.7, the final stint. <laughs> on the, part of the Endurance Chat Podcast. <laughs> local AM, uh, local FM, I like that. Yeah, yeah. make sure you can I, I, tune I, in I, when you're on the track. I, I, I'm Chris, and this is the cookie. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we have and, the uh, the budgeted edit sound effects come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and like blatantly stolen from mm-hmm. movies and TV shows, right? Yep. Uh, it's been a month since we last convened and talked about the world of sporty cars, and uh, I think it's safe to say that a lot of things happened during her absence. Uh, well, they, they always tend to, uh, Chris, especially at the end of the year um, and at the cusp of uh, a, you know, uh, a, a fill-in metaphor, idiom, um, anything you want to say about the next season of uh, sports car racing uh, internationally and uh, nationally, it's going to be crazy. Um, so definitely updates uh, around the world of motorsport, um, but mostly including endurance racing and especially prototypes. So uh, I'm I'm in literal heaven right now, Chris. We, uh, we get to talk as much as possible about upcoming uh, prototypes haven't yet laid uh, actual race miles down yet. So... This is like the the one chance we're gonna have in the Latin in the next how many years to to really uh, enjoy this before um, shit gets really crazy. So, <laughs> right. And before we talk about the future of sports car racing, let's talk about what happened in the past. We had the eight hours of Bahrain. Um, did you did you happen to catch any of it? Uh, just a, just a smidge, just a smidge um, around all eight hours. But uh, you know, uh, it's. It's the end of the season, Chris. You gotta watch it. You gotta watch it. Um, there was a lot of storylines online. We hyped it a bit, even though I think we, we, we did, did the podcast where no one even could have heard us hype. We heard we <laughs> hyped for no one, but I we still hyped. So I yeah, I watched it. It was, um, you know, I'm not gonna say it was the most entertaining uh, eight hours I've ever seen, but it was also, I mean, it it had plenty of drama throughout most of the entire race. Um, but I, I would say. Um, Ferrari's uh, championship winning uh, GTE performance um, was legendary. I think that will definitely be remembered for a long time as to just how insane that championship went down to in uh, Ferrari's fight to win the championship, which is uh, almost mirrored from their Formula One effort this year. So, um, you know, I, I think people could easily overlook this race, but there was there was some amazing moments in it um, where... I think if you really watched it and you you know knew this right storylines and story points, you, there was a great amount of um, uh, battles and details and that kind of stuff that check, that shaked out in the race. How did you like it, Chris? I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, like it's well, comparatively to Fuji, like I think it was going to be an improvement. Um, even though once again Fuji wasn't that bad, it wasn't as it was it was it was middle of the road kind of race. I think Bahrain. Took a little bit, st- a little step further into the good category. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. LMP2 was really good throughout the majority of the race. And like you said, Ferrari um, losing what they, I believe, fifth gear, and they had to hold that on. Like they, they, they had to basically maneuver that car with all its problems for like what the last two hours, two and a half hours, mm-hmm. and like there was like serious points where we were like. Doing the math, they're like, okay, if the Ferrari falls to you know, you know this position, and you know this Ferrari would win, or Porsche would win the championship. Like there is some, there is some tension there, 
um, watching the race live. And uh, I mean, Martin Haven wrote them off like at least a dozen times. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was really back and forth between whether or not the commentator's curse was going to really take effect because, uh, you know, you basically had Martin Haven declaring that they had lost the championship as soon as that happened. And they were kind of um, really, you know, in in dire straits with about two hours ago. And yeah, I mean, at the time, it really looked like there was no way. I mean... Um, and especially with how everything has been going, and we're so used to uh, cars just giving up, um, giving up the ghost. You know, a- after some technical gremlins or mechanical gremlins, like s- these things are so tightly wound, they're so tightly put together that if you have a, a failure like that, especially in the gearbox, that usually, you know, something goes out, like the clutch goes out, or you know, something electronically, hydraulic, something that there's there's not really a way for you to kind of bring it home after you get some sort of that problem, but to see them kind of be able to still bring it home and really to, 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 um, to not make the problems more, you know, to, to make, not make the problems worse. And, and that's, I think that was so telling to me too, because I've, I've just been so used to seeing cars that, um, you know, and not right or wrong, they break down and they lose a gear or they, there's something mechanical wrong and then they're done in like five, 10 minutes later. But they, I mean, hero drives by all of them. They weren't they weren't the fastest car out there, but they were certainly keeping the pace up. And with uh, without you know fourth gear or whichever gear it was specifically, and for that to have a mechanical failure all the way through the end of the race, like uh, incredible stuff. Like seriously, and then for that to be um, part of the championship battle and part of the championship implication is to have to to basically you know nurse that home to victory was was incredible. So. Um, you know, that definitely sold the show for me, but LP2 battles were fantastic. Um, we did see some glimpses again of Peugeot, but again, they, they're, they're having their mechanical issues, which, um, you know, if you're going to have them, going to have them now, just hopefully that this isn't like a continual thing that we show up at Sebring and it's the same thing that they, you know, log about four hours of race time and then they all of a sudden drop out because of this. Um, you know, uh, gear selection or specifically hydraulic issue or something with the transmission. So hopefully we start seeing more from Peugeot next year. But I honestly, like I said, it was, I, you know, like there, I think for aficionados, it was a, it was a great race, but I think if you were just tuning into it and you're like, I want, I want a really, really, really good race. I might not have said that this is a really, really good race, but Again, solid for what we have, and uh, you know, and what to look forward to is I'm um, I can't be more excited. So, in in the GTE Ant class, I mean, there's there's a little bit where Iron Dames were in serious contention that like they were leading, um, all until like the what hour and a half left in the race. Yeah, yeah, they were in serious contention of winning it for a long time of that race. They took the lead and were and were gapping a little bit. Um, the it kind of came away from them a little bit at the end, but. They, yeah, they, they, I mean, it looked like they were gearing up to take a, a GTM win at the final round as well. So it was, um, you know, a, a lot to look forward to from them as well, just the progression that they've made. Um, and awesome to see that as a specific storyline, too. It just, there was so much ebb and flow that was happening. It just didn't really happen at the, at the uh, top of the leaderboard. So, right. So we hyped up, you know, the championship. So let's, let's tell the folks here. Who are not in know yet how the championship panned out for all the classes. Ben Keating and Marco Sorensen won in GTEM for TF Sport, the four horsemen teal colored car. Um, 
For LMP2, Pro-Am, Alessio Rivera and Francois Pareto and Nicholas Nielsen. One for AF Corsa. And GTE Am, the one we were just talking about, that's... Whew. Let's... Uh, Alessandro Perguini mm -hmm. and James Collado won the championship with, you know, without fifth gear. Guess how much they won the championship by? Was it like two points or three points, something like that? Yeah, it was three points. And yeah. that was for the... The Porsche uh, drivers of Kevin Estra and Michael Christensen. So and if they fell one more position down, it would have been. It would as from what I'm seeing at this table, it could have been Porsches. I mean, well, they did what they did what they needed to do the entire race too. I mean, Porsche wasn't you know I, I don't think they had the ultimate pace that had would have put them in the position to have won the championship ultimately anyway. This year, it felt like there would they they didn't. It felt like Ferrari had the more consistent year anyway, on average. I, I know that they it shaked out a little bit, but like uh, the the pace wise, Ferrari felt like they could kind of hit their their maximum average pace quicker than the Porsches did this year for some reason. So, um, and I, I thought that shaked out a little bit, but it's still, even that, even so, at the end of the day, uh, Porsche was still fighting amongst the Ferraris even before the mechanical failures, and was really kind of. Um, giving a scenario in which you could see the Ferraris, if they had mechanical failures, were going to give up that championship lead. And it almost, I mean, worked perfectly in a Porsche's favor. So um, it was a good, I mean, it was a solid, honest fight, and it was completely unlike what we had last year, which is, I mean, honestly, this is it, This is a way better way to have it, you know, had the, had the following year's uh, GTE Pro Championship decided, especially when AF Course's car is wounded trying to finish the race and win the championship. I thought it was weirdly fitting for how you know controversial it went last year so it's quite a shame that early on in the race we did have that full course yellow that kind of messed up the race up kind of separated the gte pro field i think ferraris got off on the better end of that yep where the, the port it was just too much for the porsches to catch up um and it kind of just told a story from there there's things that are going to be changing in the rules that we'll talk about later on that could affect that type of thing happening for the future. But uh, let's talk about LMP2. Their championship ended with Joda Sport winning the Drivers' Championship with Felix Antonio Felix da Costa, Roberto Gonzalez, and Will Stevens. And then the big honcho, the Hypercar Endurance Champion, would be Toyota. Um, Alpine wants or. On the back foot, unfortunately, they were definitely the slowest car, hypercar of the weekend. Um, in, ter in terms of just raw speed, raw pace, because as, as we saw early on in the race, like, if we take out the Alpine, the, the BOP wasn't that bad. The Pe the Peugeots were with the Toyotas. Mm -hmm. uh, they had they had a performance boost um, coming into Bahrain, but they definitely had the, the pace to keep up with them. It, it, it seemed like... Um, uh, I can't remember who was driving at the time, but uh, uh, but it seemed like Peugeot was not necessarily struggling to keep up, but they were kind of like kind of following a little bit in Toyota's wake a little bit as they mm -hmm. went through traffic, and I feel like that's how they kind of kept the gap a little bit more close than it probably ultimately was. But at the same time, too, it just you know again. All that being said, is just you know, as soon as they start having those mechanical problems, you just have to file that the pace away as like, all right, well, I don't know if that was or not or how that was, but you know, we have to kind of look at it how it is, and this is ultimately that doesn't matter because they're still having these, uh, 
you know, it, it's good to see, and I, not to say it doesn't matter, but mm-hmm. um, that ultimately, like, they have to start finishing the race, you know, races without problems first before we really can, like, right. fully investigate it. But yeah, the, the pace looked good, and it didn't seem like they were falling too far off the pace uh, through the middle of the stint. So, you know, and again, like, for me at this point, I'm also just looking at it to, to see, because <clears throat> I, I feel like we're also... It's easier for us to forget that this car still is very weird looking, and you know, I I I trust everybody in terms of the engineering of it, but at the same time, you know, like there's reasons why sometimes it's more difficult to get certain uh, performance deltas out of certain things, and like you know, everything kind of gets into that performance, you know, narrowing performance gap where you kind of all start doing the same thing. So when you're doing something this far out, it it does make me go like, okay, well, is are we going to be seeing the Peugeot's performance drop, you know, through their stints because of tire wear? Because, you know, we still don't, I still don't know, like, just personally how the tire wear um, or how the car affects tire wear versus, like, a Toyota. Because, I mean, it's, I would consider a Toyota classical prototype hybrid, you know, electric-driven four-wheel drive car. Peugeot's is doing it differently. I know that they're still generating probably the same amounts of downforce, but, again, the way that it's being done can generate something different i mean and again look at the mercedes concept for this year for formula one and they might be going away from that that really thin body style so those were things that i'm still kind of looking at and not that i have still have a concern of but it's you know i didn't necessarily see that pace fall off that i would be worried about if there might be something like okay well the design of that car is really good at le mans but for everything else it's like not it's going to burn through tires or it's not gonna you know it's neutral balance pace is going to be way less than Toyota's or something. At least from what I saw uh, the first hour and a half, two hours, it looked fine. I mean, the Peugeot seemed to do okay. I think if they had more data, they could definitely, you know, do better. But I think it's I think it's still out. Until I see them actually have, like, a, a, a trouble-free race, um, then I could start kind of, like, judging how that car works at it like a limit. But it's just it's so hard to tell right now because they just keep having that same problem. And, uh, yeah, so hopefully uh, more testing will, will help out in the off-season for him, So, But good good stuff, at least from what we could see. I mean, it, it wasn't like it was, uh, um, you know, it was it was bad by any rate. And I would even guess, hazard a guess, that, you know, if they did a ballpark of three other manufacturers that they threw in there, it would have probably been even closer. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just... Like, I know people are going to be really upset next year for BOP, but I just don't see where it's going to be that much of a, a big deal unless people are really going to get bored of people racing closely to each other. So, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the, and you know, those drivers, they're going to take home the championship. They're actually uh, at the FIA Prize Gala right now as we're speaking um, for a little ceremony for all the uh, world champions for the FIA. It's Brendan Hartley, Rio Hirakawa, uh, this is also um, impressive considering that's his rookie year in the Toyota prototype. And Sebastian Buemi beating out the Alpine boys with Alpine. They're not, not going to be in hypercar next year. They're going to be uh, basically having two cars with Signatech in the LMP2 class, which oh. I, I don't know if you may have heard the headline of Richard, uh, the Ricard Meal team that's used those in the LMP2 class for a couple for a few years. Um, we had the headline where they're, they're shutting down operations, but just in reality, that's just going to be a second Signatech car. Um, and then, of course, 
Alpine will be back in 2024 with the LMDH, which apparently, according to Endurance Info, is, is that's the rumor is going to be that's going to be supplied with a Mechachrome F2 engine. Man, and I don't know if you know anything about Formula Two cookie, but the, the those engines, um, I want to put them on the most reliable engines of motorsport list. When when has any time that uh, an F2 engine has ever been used in sports car endurance racing has it been successful? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean. More power to them, I guess. I mean, look, I, I have more faith in the Glickenhaus thing with their partnership and and the block there, where they're just sandwiching two four, you know, four cylinders together, than uh, than whatever the the F two basis is. Because yeah, the Mechachrome is just. Uh, I mean, did we could try this again? I mean, you know, I remember, <laughs> I remember twenty five years ago when we tried to do this kind of stuff. You know, let's call up Suzuki and see if Mitsubishi wants to do stuff again, and maybe Lamborghini wants to make another engine and, and have a go at it. But uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it'll work out. Well, watch, watch out, E Crow. But still, it's like that is not a, historically. That's not the um, that's not the company that I would immediately think of when I when it comes to like endurance racing uh, engine performance uh, reliability. You know, so we'll see Alpine. We'll see. Hopefully, they even produce a car because it just seems like I mean at, at this point like their their F one thing is all I mean like everything seems like it's chaos over there and like not like it's it may not be at all but it just has the ire of chaos right now so. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they're all pushing for hypercar, but like, I'm just fingers crossed that they even get a LMDH going. So, anyway, what we're we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna let Alpine collect their thoughts and see what the see what you know yeah. see what hopefully yeah. they have some better ideas. Respond to my comments, paper. Alpine. Right. <laughs> um, we also we got a. Uh, Got a final hurrah of uh, big time endurance racing that's happening actually this weekend, and uh, it's the Gulf Twelve Hours, which I don't know if you know much about this event, Cookie, but this has been um, usually a standalone event uh, from a separate promoter, independent promoter in the past. Yep. Um, it used to have LP threes, and then uh, they got rid of that as like not like a couple more than more than a few years ago. Has mainly been GT3s, GT4s, and GT Cup cars. Um, for the first time ever, um, they made a partnership with the SRO, and it's now the finale for the Intercontinental GT Challenge. So, in the same schedule as like Kailami, Bathurst, Spa, in the, you know, in the eight hours. So, uh, because of this, we've seen a huge, massive interest this year. We have 34 GT3 cars. Well, 34 cars. And there's about 28, 29 GT3 cars. That's uh, that's not bad. And we got a an active Formula One driver on the grid. Yellow K Mag action with his with his pops driving for AF Corsa. Uh, and don't we don't we have um, don't we have Rossi in this too? No, Rossi. What was usually does this. But he's a he's a WRT guy now, and uh, with BM and now they're going to BMW, and uh, I don't know how I don't know if they like them going to Ferrari. Okay, got it. Or I don't know if how that <laughs> how that works. Gotcha. But, 
No, it, it's a uh, just looking at the uh, the provisional entry list right now. It's uh, it's got a lot of good uh, good entries, uh, even in the pro am stuff. Um, lots of McLarens, Ferraris, BMW M4s. Just it, it it's going to be a great race. I mean, I've I've clued in a little bit for the Gulf twelve hours, but um, you know because it, I, I don't think it held a, a huge status. I, I didn't clue that much right. into it, which is not necessarily the greatest it, it, thing. The but years, the past few years. Um, it, it really took a downturn because 2020, obviously, the pandemic happened. Um, I remember so this having did, a ton of entries, though. Was I wrong, though? Like, didn't it, w- it, wouldn't this have like it, 70 it, entries or something? Not that much, but it did have like you know it would have you know more than 20 entries. And when and when you have an event this late in the year, like having more than 20 entries, that'll just grab anyone's attention. Yep. Um, but then. Um, that was like before the pandemic. Um, I think what happened 2021 in January, um, they had them, they moved it to Bahrain because Formula One. I think that was the main reason because Formula One ended so late. And Formula One, you know, you can't have a, a race before or after Formula One race week. I think that's actually like the rules. So they got shoved out to Bahrain. And only got like they got like fifteen entries, maybe less. Then Formula One ran late again, so they had to move. So they they went back to Yas Marina, but they had they had it in January again. I think it was a slightly better entry list, but it wasn't good. It was still less than twenty cars. Now Formula One is ending uh, earlier in November, so now they're going to have their regular December date back, and that's why we have this huge influx of entries. So. It will be streamed on the GT World YouTube channel. If you're watching this, if you're listening to this late, uh, the replay will be on the GT World YouTube channel. And we don't have any major endurance races, unless you count Endurance Brazil, a major endurance race. Uh, up from here on out until Dubai, uh, there's really nothing else on. So you have all the time in the world to uh, to watch the replay. But yeah, the, take a look at some of the cars really quickly. Um we got Erwan Bastard making his uh, GT3 debut. <laughs> uh, French GT uh, French GT driver races in GT4 Europe. Then the, the name's going to catch a lot of people. I mean, it's a so that's automatically attention grabbing right there. Christopher Haas, Patrick Niederson, uh, and Niederhauser share the car. That is Audi Sport Team Saint Elac. Then Saint Elac also has like a am. No, that's also, that's also a pro, according to the entry list. But it has Gills, Magnus, there's a WTCR driver. Um, and then two other AMs. Audi Sport Team Tresser, which is basically just the Antempto racing car. Matea Drudy, Ricardo Feller, Kelvin Vanderlinde. That's two-thirds DTM. And, and then AF Corsa, uh, who we're just you know, talking about in another Middle Eastern endurance race. Uh, their driver lineups include Antonio Froco, James Collado, Alessandro Perguidi, and David Ragan, Alessio Rivera, and Nicholas Nielsen. And then MDK Motorsports is making their GT3 debut with help of AF Corsa. If you don't know who that team is, that's basically Mark Kvam's team, if I'm guessing correctly. Um, they've mainly kept in themselves in Porsche Crow Cup North America, but now they're doing this. Um, they're doing the Rolex. And they're doing GT World Challenge America next year. So they're jumping up in a big way. Um, yep, Kevin Magnuson, Jan Magnuson, and Mark Vom. And then you got, you know, Lucas Stoltz 
in the LNR Racing Car. Then Group M has Rafael Marcello, Yogandela, Gunan, um, Engel, Maximi Goetz, Lucas Auer. I mean, these are heavy-hitting names in the GT racing world. Yeah, and another another calendar date that kind of gets an injection of of these GT three, um, you know, like these heavy caliber GT three teams. And again, like that's where <clears throat> I feel like this is where we're seeing the uh, the SRO's uh, umbrella really kind of help bring a lot of these um, races, uh, you know, potentially more I don't know meaning significance whatever because they can they can do this thing where it ties it, you know, they can basically take a race, pluck it out, and make it. Um, you know, a meaningful championship and essentially summon a bunch of, um, you know, pro category or pro class teams that will come and compete there. So, and I know that there's, I know some people were not huge fans of SRL going ahead and making this change for this venue. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, this is kind of what the SRL want to do. I mean, this is, they, they want to be able to do this kind of thing and, and to draw upon the teams that are, have invested in their brand to lack of a better term to show up to these things and to compete, obviously. So I, I think it speaks for SRO's method as to how they go about trying to, you know, bring sports car racing to as many places as possible. Um, and how that can be significant, how that, that can work. Um, and yeah, I I mean I'll be cluing uh, cluing excuse me into this uh, this race this weekend more than I would have before just because uh you know just knowing that lineup especially with Magnussons um, and just knowing the the pro drivers that are going to be racing in here and um, so yeah so I I do think that in the discussion to you know for it's just for sports car racing in general like we do have this this pro pro am and then am kind of categories with it and i do think that stuff like this or like these races are good or like the upgrades that these races get are healthy for the sport and i think that um you know upgrading in stature some of these events um will just offer more opportunities for teams to grab the spotlight and drivers as well so and, I mean, you got maybe some lesser known. I mean, you got Two Seas Motorsports, which for the past couple of years, they've been at this event. They, they, they've been kind of become regulars um, for the Gulf 12 Hours, and, they're, and, they, mainly, and they race in British GT. Um, that's where they do their full season effort. Um, it's a Bahraini British team, so that makes sense why they've been at the Gulf for the past couple of years. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got teams that, um, in the amateur classes that some IMSA people will know. Like if the if the IMS is the only thing you watch, you probably heard these names before. Like Inception Racing, they've ran uh, the Endurance Cup, uh, and they got Sun Energy One, who did the Rolex before and cut in did relatively well in some cases. Um, and and then they got not IMSA, but they got some of the lesser known teams. Um, Herbert, who mainly stick with Creventic, uh, but they've been doing some GT World Challenge stuff and. Um, ADAC GT well they always have been doing ADAC GT but you know Creventic uh, and GT World Challenge would might be the p- main thing people know them by uh, Team Baron Motorsport Middle East was I think was one of the cars involved in that accident last year if you didn't if you don't know it was on the end of the backstretch um well uh, the, the the second backstretch, if you know what I mean, because after you you know how there's if you know the track 
cookie. There's a backstretch, then there's a complex of turns, and then there's another sort of backstretch with the alternate pits. Yeah. Talk about that. Talk about that one. At the end of that one, uh, two cars got together, and I believe Team Baron was involved in that wreck. And it was a pretty decent-sized wreck. Um, so they're looking for some redemption. MP Racing, you see them around in Creventic. They're the Gosner. It's it's a it's a family. It's it's a family affair. It's the it's the Gosner family. There, we got some uh, mainly Ferrari Challenge drivers in that. Ram Racing. Oh, Cookie, did you see did you see the Ram Racing livery? I have not. So, have you? Do you know the old D two DTM livery that would be on the Mercedes for like cla- like mid two thousands? Yes. It, it, it's it's that one. Oh. It's 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 a throwback to that. Oh, fantastic! It's so it's so good looking, <laughs> and the pictures are coming out like real life pictures. Oh, I can't wait to see that in qualifying in less than twenty four hours time, which that is uh, the only session that's streamed apart from the race. Then we have EBM Giga Racing. That's basically just Earl Bammer Motorsports with the Groves uh, funding effort. Floodman Eleven our, our Resident Aussie, Floodman 11, Michael Zalafari will know a lot about them. <laughs> and then you get the Porsche Cup cars, which we have four. So, once again, Gulf 12 Hours, I know it's not, you know, a pers- a, some people's most favorite circuit, but the track changes, but with the track changes and with the, the entries we got and the fact that it's an SRO race, so we might actually have an awesome broadcast this time, I think it's going to be a very fun race to watch. And, oh, I forgot to mention this one thing. I, I'm not sure if you knew, Cookie, but did you, did you know how the Gulf 12 Hours was used to be a split six-hour and six-hour event? I believe so. Well, okay, I, I, I'll say that I sort of had an inkling because I thought it went something like that, but I thought it had... I, I, I would always get that and then the 24-hour creventic like, race up or mixed oh, up right so i would i would i would always think it's like it's that's it or something and i remember that happening in the past but now all of the 12-hour races for the most part are are good to go except for some creventic races which are 12 hour 12 hours but like i i feel like i was aware of it but i what i didn't fully like until you said that so thank you for that factoid chris yeah, they, they ran six hours in the day and then they'll take like what two hour break or something then they run six hours in the night mm-hmm. uh they now it's just straight up 12 hours. Um, yeah, they can handle it. So, so f- format change for the race. So, yep. Um, apologies for anyone living outside the Eastern time zone. I don't have the time differences up and ready. But I believe it's 1 a.m. Eastern Sunday for, for the race start time. So it's a bit of an early start. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, just a little bit. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Not, uh, not, not, not a problem here. Nothing we sports car fans can't handle. Yeah, um, uh, it's like Malaysian Grand Prix. Case, right. Hours, you know. In worst case scenario, you wake up at a normal time, like a like a you know like a weirdo. Uh, you'll yeah. have around you know four hours of the race to watch. Uh, it should be fun. David Addison is also doing head comps. I can't remember who the other guy is. I think it's a NASCAR Will and Euro Series commentator. We'll have to see how that pairing turns out. And then Adam. I think it's Adam Hyde is doing the pit lane uh, pit lane reporting. Which, if you don't know who that name yes. is, think about the co-commentator at Macau. Have you mm-hmm. ever seen Macau race? Mm-hmm. That 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 that's him. 
Yeah, we 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 need a we need to do like a brief five minute sin about the Macau Grand Prix a little bit there too. That oh. happened. Uh, yeah. It just a uh, we got a fellow um, British person in the chat. He did the time zone difference uh, kindly for us. It's six a.m. GMT time. So take GMT six 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 a.m. GMT and then apply that to wherever you are across the world. Yeah. So Macau, did you see that? TCR wreck? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, uh, I can't, there's two TCR races, basically one for like the, the Chinese only cars, and then the rest were like cars that you see everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in the first section of the track, it was, I believe, the corner right, the, the, the kink before the straight that heads into Lisboa. And it get, they get caught, and the car just slings that goes goes into the inside wall, smashes it, and like I think the windows all crashed or broke open, like the door, the engine was rolling down the street. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a Hyundai. Uh, I think it was an Elantra. I don't think it was a uh, what is it? Roster N. It was a I know what it might have been one of those. I think it was that one, but it was a it was a Hyundai. Um, that like, yeah, just, just ate it into there. The, the GT three race, uh, on Saturday that had a huge, um, start line crash pretty much. Um, and also that, and again, like there's part of me that's like, I really want to do like little weird sports car, like goofs and stuff like that. Like, like compilation stuff, because there is, who was the Audi driver? Um, the one that um, I think it was Eduardo Mortara. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was Eduardo. Yeah, or no, uh, where he just sped off. Like as soon as the Lamborghini right. pace car went, he went, and he's you're supposed to wait until the the the, the Christmas tree pretty much goes green, and he didn't. He just immediately went. So they like this put was, him to the rear. Was, um, he had pole. Right, and this was just basically for the formation lap. Yeah, like just for the formation for lap. Yeah, that was um, the first time I've ever seen that penalty get issued. It was a rightful one. I mean, he went. He immediately went. You're supposed to wait. Uh, like that. That like I said, Macau Macau Grand Prix every year does something like somebody does or people do the things that are so crazy that I'm like I'm just uh, the the best one though I, I will say is um, it was at the top. It was basically at the top of the hill, and I can't remember. It was like that camera crane like shot that it's. I don't even know where they get it from. It has to be like 400 feet above where the track is, but it's like looking down at this one like kink area <laughs> and if you look at the friday it was like thursday friday streams if you and and if they ever showed that spot it was just looked like a normal road and when he got to sunday it just looked like it was like compacted like set like all the um all the quick dry and stuff because ev- there's so many cars that just kept <laughs> running into there and, and just like spewing all kinds of oil like it was a completely different shade of color on that part of the thing but you would see cars like just a progression of the camera shot because it was a static shot through the entire weekend was hilarious because it was just yeah everybody would just run into that specific spot and uh no wonder they had a like a camera pointed at that specific area at macau i just Ah, it's such a great weekend. Uh, <laughs> it's literally it's it's the wild west of motorsports. If like if people didn't fully appreciate safety, like not that they don't appreciate safety, but like if it was like if safety was not the number one, not necessarily the number one thing in mind, and that's Macau Grand Prix in a nutshell. So, and it's funny you say that because they brought the bikes back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
and, and nobody died and nobody died 12 bikes to, you know that helps with that but yeah they had to basically i can't remember which race i believe it was a tcr race um because saturday was usually traditionally the main macau grand prix for the bikes but this year they had two races instead of just the one main grand prix but the first race had to be canceled because a t there's a tcr wreck at Lisboa that dumped down a bunch of oil and like every time the bikes tried to do a went to do a sighting lap you know it was just it was just you know the track conditions were you know way too much to handle you know safely for, for the bike so they just had to bait and then they crashed so much that after I believe the last race of the day was like the GT3 qualifying race that like soon as like the GT3 cars ended they're like sorry we don't have any time we're gonna have to do the bike race like first thing in the morning. Yep. <laughs> so, and then you know, the bikes, you know, went had the race wasn't that bad. I mean, they made a pass on that tight hairpin. Um, yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, the bikes are back, and uh, I was surprised they even brought it back because you know sometimes like in this day and age, when something like that goes away, there's not really a push for it to bring it back. Um, but uh, it, it's it's back whether people like it or not. Not a lot of in, well, we got only a twelve. Uh, I think we had fifteen, but then towards uh, the end of the weekend, we only have actual twelve on the track. Yeah, yep. and those you know people nobody ever heard of. You didn't have your uh, Peter Hickman, um, your your base, your your Northern Irish and English road racing stars because of the whole quarantine deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what happens next year with that. Hopefully, if that event still stays, we'll see, you know, the, like the Isle of Man guys come over because that's always a treat to watch. Um, F4, the F4 is boring. Yeah. Actually, the qual- qualifying race wasn't too bad. Main race was eh. Yeah, F4 was 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 a, uh, was the dullest part for me. I was expecting more from that, but it didn't really um, deliver anything. Uh, honestly, it's... Like it's those support races. Like I, I almost never watch the F4 race, like intending it to be good. I just look for the GT, mm-hmm. the GTs, and then everything else because it's just. I mean, and and it's like, you know, when when people are like, yeah, they uh, for the most part, Macau Grand Prix usually just has p- local people that enter these races. Like, no, they legitimately. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I can't even like that is 1000% what happens like there there will be international like injection into the into the weekend but for the most part these are just dudes that have never like maybe they've been on a racetrack before but like i probably not and they've just been like they'll just run the course probably uh, a few times like in their cars and then they'll just come out with their hand built stuff like the the crazy uh it was yeah it was like the non production like uh, what was it? Saloon car stuff, and they were just featuring like Mitsubishi Eclipses, like Mark Seven, like or not Eclipses, Mitsubishi, uh, or uh, sorry, Lancer Evos and stuff like that. Like they're just billowing out, like just just black smoke out the back of them because there's just there's like nothing, you know, like nothing's efficient. They just look like diesels. Uh, it's just oh man, it's just an entirely different attitude, entirely different world. I love it, like. <laughs> It's so completely removed from like what we're used to from like, you know, because we're, we're about to talk about the hypercar World Cup and the fact that there's a FIA gala that, you know, some drivers are not at Daytona for the testing that's been going on this week because they're, you know, 
getting all fancy and stuff like that and spending money and here China, you know, Macau Grand Prix is just like, yeah, whatever, man, just bring your Lancer Evo that you built out of a garage shed and pretty much just like I think run diesel through it to make it, I don't know, more efficient or something. And go for it, man. You're on the track, bud. Like <laughs> fantastic. Uh I love the Macau yeah. Grand Prix. You talk of being different worlds. Just talk about the world of a uh, German GT racing because they had a little bit of a shakeup this past week. They had a huge press conference announcing announcing some interesting changes that will affect the scene of racing in Deutschland. Um, so, Cookie, you, we, you know DTM, right? We all yeah, know DTM. Yeah. So the parent company that ran things, ITR, uh, dissolved, uh, and Berger was needed to sell DTM. Because they weren't, you know, money money was a, money was a problem. So ADAC, so you remember ADAC GT Masters, you know, ADAC is like the automobile club for Germany. They like do all the automobile stuff. Mm-hmm. They make a buttload of money. So they they bought they bought DTM. They bought you know the name, you know, and they're going to use it for the branding, right? So <laughs> we were in the dark. There's lots of rumors. About you know what, how things were gonna work out, and but we got confirmation. I think it was yesterday. DTM stays the same, with the same format, except the tires change from Michelin to Pirelli, and they're gonna use SRO BOP instead of you know their own. Um, and then the calendar is more focused in Germany. You know, I know we all know in the past DTM likes to go a little bit internationally sometimes. You know, as as a prank. Um, it's just gonna be it's just gonna be Germany, and then around in Zandvoort and uh, Red Bull Ring, which is you know quite traditional for a German series. Yeah, boy, those those are the German DTM championship yeah. and their pranks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, let's 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 go to Shanghai. Let's let's do that. Right. It's right. it's community outreach anyway. <laughs> so D, D, so DTM mainly stays um it stays the same. Here's the here's the interesting part, the calendar that they had, that's basically just the ADAC GT Masters calendar, that was gonna be is was the DTM calendar that that they were gonna have, basically got thrown out the window because before this whole talk of merging and all that stuff, DTM was gonna go that you know that WTCR street track uh, street track in Portugal, yeah, Via Real, yep. they're gonna go there, Salzburg Ring, and then um, some other can't remember if there's any other internationally um events apart from those two but that was those were the rumors that they, that those were the tracks they were going to go to this is more of a traditional adac gt master schedule mm. so where does that leave gt masters you may ask prepare to get your mind blown cookie mm. so do you know how there's also a prototype cup germany yeah Actually, I do. I, I do know this, and I. It's not like I don't. I do know this because I I read some article about it earlier this year. But yes, go ahead. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not. ADAC, I'm not bullshitting you. <laughs> ADAC GT Masters and Prototype Cup Germany are going to run under one race. Yeah. Is he? They're they're, they're, mer- they're merging. They're going to have the same. You know, one hour. You know, one hour race, and then the pit stop. You know, the reg- that regular format. But guess what? Having two races in one, or having two series in one, that could get a little confusing for the fans. Yeah. Guess what? Guess guess what they're uh, calling this little little venture? <clears throat> um, a uh, 
an endurance of some sort. Oh. <laughs> I wonder, you, Chris. Yeah, they're going to call these little one-hour races. Once again, I have to stress this enough. They're one-hour races. Then this new series name, DTM Endurance. Hmm. Maybe maybe DTM just stands for like short race. <laughs> and then like endurance for this is like we're using endurance racing cars. You know, like DTM is just like the moniker of like the title of like ADAC. <laughs> they just dropped the entire meaning of DTM and it's now just the specific title of whatever they want to call stuff. I don't know. I mean, I can see endurance working if you're just describing the vehicles in which you're using it and the type of race that it is, because I would technically describe that as a multi-class race, which would be more using endurance vehicles, so I could sort of consider it an endurance race, but like the very definition of endurance race doesn't really entail 60 minutes, because I don't think that's usually an endurance, unless you're a goldfish. Because then that would definitely be one. But I, I don't... Yeah, I, that's that's the only hiccup. Otherwise, I'm fine with that. Like, let them oh. let them run alongside all that other stuff. I don't care at this point, so... Oh, just wait, Cookie. There's oh, more, boy. There's okay. More, there's okay. more drama. All right. Stirring in the pot here. All right. So, teams that run ADAC GT Masters, Land Motorsport, which we were familiar with. They mm-hmm. won the Nürburgring 24 in that crazy... Uh, finish and they have have ran the rolex before and we got, got screwed um, <laughs> multiple and, times yeah. yeah um then you have car collection they have publicly went on the record being against this change and keep in mind they field they field uh i think car collection only fields one but land fields about two cars maybe maybe three i'm blanking on on uh if that's the case they was like, we don't like this. Like, just there's like you know, saying the LMP threes are faster than us. They're gonna make the we want you know, they want the one overall, which is understandable. And they got another team, JP Motorsport, which I believe is a Polish outfit. I could be wrong on that. It's Eastern European, just to be on the safe side. Uh, they were gonna compete in ADAC GT Masters in 2023. Um, for what we're hearing, there they canceled those points. Hmm. So. It sounds like ADAC GT Masters, which was already like they had around 20 cars this year, but that that was a decrease from when they had like what 25, almost 30 in the years past. Yeah, yeah. because of D- DTM and GT3. So it sounds like we might not have a s- stellar field for ADAC GT. Ma- now you keep in mind each like the GT and pro- like if you win the GT class championship, you're still gonna be ADAC GT Masters champion. And then same for Prototype Cup Germany for the LMP3. So, like, you'll still be called champions of those respective series. They're just racing together. And the GT, we're going to have to wait and see how many GT3 teams are uh, going to stick around for that. If they're going to play second fiddle for the LMP3s or if they're going to, you know. Like, switch to DTM, you know. Uh, For for what it sounds like, DTM's already full. So, like, GT World Challenge Sprint could be there. International GT Open. Maybe, you know, other sub-series that exist mm-hmm. but here's here's what I'm interested in Cookie because we could see a repeat so in 2013-14 their French GT you know they're like hey we're gonna add LMP3s you wanna guess what happened <laughs> how many showed up <laughs> four Ferrari 488 or not 488 458s four Ligier LMP3s 
eight cars total. <laughs> and, oh, they, and they canceled. And if you, I don't know if you remember, they had a viral clip of that Ferrari hitting the wall in the front stretch where the windshield pops out. Yeah. And the driver climbed through the windshield. That was where that clip came from. That was the race. That was the race? Oh. That was the race. Oh. And then they can't. Then they canceled the rest of the season because, okay, there's no point. Then they switched to GT4s, and they've been successful ever since. So we'll have to wait. Also, a DTM Trophy, which is a single-driver GT4 race or a series that, you know, the ITR made, uh, that's dead. Uh, they're just going to use ADAC GT4, though. I mean, they, they had to yeah. whittle down. I mean, they they, they, yep. they had to. It, it it sucks, but they just – there just isn't – like, again, we're not – I think racing is, is getting better, but it's still – you know, like I think everybody looks to like the seventies, eighties, nineties kind of way of like just people or teams being able to come into the sport and just be able to kind of always have the competition or just extra like like we're a new team, like we want you, blah blah blah. Like everybody that's coming in is like on tight budgets, all this other stuff. Like it's like I and I don't want to say that racing is like is still like needing another x factor i think it's found its its niche or it's found its groove a bit from like where it needs to be but at the same time i I still feel like when it comes to overlapping series and stuff like this especially like how dtm ended up being like you know i I feel like dtm needed to consolidate anyway it just you know touring car racing is i think it was fantastic in the 90s and it was incredible i mean dtm it was also fantastic but it just it doesn't have that niche appeal anymore it hasn't found that um ability to kind of you know cement itself with its own crowd because it would just get overlaps of everybody else so you know uh, ultimately like the death of the silhouette cars for dtm has made it into gt3 and that was always going to start pinching stuff especially with adac and how strong adac has been alongside dtm you know now that dtm is physically sharing that same space like there was always going to be some hardship to come from this so it, it sucks to see but you know to a certain extent it was totally not unexpected at least for me like i'd um i i think it's a weird it's a little haphazard the way they're trying to do this to to make stuff fit um because i think they could just they could make it more unique or make it more i don't want to say personable but like try to make it more legitimate to what you know the each each fans of these sports are because like yeah you're right it's an, an hour long endurance race isn't an you know it's an endurance race just do a two hour forty minute you know do a three hour endurance race do something like that like it doesn't need to be crazy you don't need to do it by ACO or SRO standards to a T you know you just have to hold a, a three hour endurance race that you know goes alongside the DTM uh, weekend or something like that or whatever so. Yeah. I just feel like there some of this stuff is I I think are interesting ideas, but the way they're implementing them makes it hard to just buy into it. Because like I, if I lived in Germany, I would I would for sure be showing up to, to you know to try to show up to some of these race weekends and stuff like that. But I don't know if I would be showing up to see that you know and well, D, well to, to, to the button here DTM endurance will be a support race for DTM right. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, 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 but I'm just what I'm saying. Like, it's like the people who are going to watch it are already dedicated to wanting to watch it anyway because it is this. And so if you're if you're going because you're not making it interesting where it's like, oh, they're LL, LMP3s, but they're, you know, none of them are Ligiers or, or uh, you know, 
they're they're all something non-standard format or whatever you know like if you're doing something to differentiate i'm like okay i'm definitely gonna tune in for that but the way that you write it out here it's like it's just supposed to be a support event for dtm and you know like i i would almost say like make this a support event like and a legit support event on its own of what it is like instead of just making it a one-hour event but I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's not supposed to overshadow the event, but whatever. It can be a longer race and still suck compared to the DTM race. <laughs> so I, I don't know why the you know the time doesn't have to change, and it could still just be a support race. So we'll see how how it does. I mean, but DTM, I don't know. Do you? Would, all right, Chris. Do you? Do you? Do you? Would you rather have this outcome of DTM surviving and just doing like kind of elbows out trying to? force its way into something so that it doesn't go away or would you have been okay if it just collapsed and and we just didn't have DTM anymore and it's just now ADA you know ADAC I think I think DTM would be the sensible answer because A DTM has the branding they like you don't need to like do any groundwork people know that DTM exists so there's the promotion already done for you um, so I think some people might not like it, but you know, if ADAC GT matches gets killed because of this, I'm not gonna, not gonna really shed a tear because, well, A, we, I think we have too many GT3 series already. Like, I mean, two, two main GT3 series in Germany, like even though like most of the makes are from Germany and the, you know, there's a bunch of teams in Germany, um, that could be quite a tough sell. And I kind of like it that now, um, there's only going to be really one main race weekend for GT3 cars in Germany, apart from NLS and N24. <laughs> yeah, um, that one. Because ADAC, ADAC GT Masters and DTM seemed to just clash like 80% of the time last year, and it wasn't. And it was like same exact times too. Like ADAC, just using my time zone for reference, ADAC would start at 6 a.m. and DTM would start at 6:30 a.m. That was quite annoying. So I'm glad to have that problem fixed. I think it, this yeah. is a good situation because you get something a little different. I mean, you get a GT3 slash uh, an LP3 like multi-class race. I mean, we'll have to see how well how well it gets received. Um, but I, th- I think this is the better case. Like a, a DTM trophy gets seeded that way. You know, there's only one GT4 series in Germany, and then like they even have like a ladder, like a German sports car ladder now, um, which instant stuff. So I, they kind of condenses everything into one i'm personally fine with these changes we'll just have to wait and see and how uh, how well particularly dtm endurance gets executed yeah we'll have to find out definitely something to look forward to next year um and uh the motorsport crash weekly uh videos will definitely have a, uh, quite a few of uh this that series involved i'm sure so I'll be looking forward to seeing that in the uh, weekly crash videos upload youtube.com illegally so anyway uh what do we got next on the list, Chris? <laughs> uh, I mean, let's talk IMSA. Uh, we had okay. some testing early on this week. Yeah, we did. People really hyped. Daytona. Uh, also got pre- people kind of bummed because Porsche decided to rain in everybody's parade and say that uh, privateers don't get any chassis till April. But, uh, you know, that's oh, what yeah. it is what it is, you know. And watch people... Porsche don't even win the first two rounds either. Like, it, not to say that it wasn't like, you know, for anything specific, but... Uh, people are definitely not happy with Porsche because they can't get their uh, their their privateer uh, LMDH uh, Porsches going yet. So I've already seen conspiracy theories whirling around the internet on that one. 
<laughs> oh, well, yeah. honestly, because it, it involves Penske, if it involves anything about Penske, yeah. I would even halfway believe it. So, yeah. you know what? <laughs> like, oh, they're not, they're, not, they're not, you know, releasing their customer cars because they don't want to get beat by the privateers or the customers, you know, in, in the debut races. Well, did, <laughs> did the Porsche executives kiss uh, the Penske ring? Like, did they did they visit Rogers uh, or Roger and his, like, uh, what is it, Darth Vader, like, ball thing that he like emerges out of and then uh you know has them write all the checks to him and you know then he just gets supposed to penske look anyway sorry not penske hey penske's great he's awesome he's a cool guy (laughs) awesome no problems no yeah we had uh some testing going on uh had most of uh most of all the the major players that are going to be showing up at the imsa gtp championship this year um put in some times Acura seems to be uh, the quickest, at least for the testing numbers so far. Cadillac um, and BMW bringing a brand new chassis that they're, I think they designated as that they're technically like it's they're building and they're finishing building it on site. So those got shaken down, I think today, um, which is Friday. Uh, no, it was Tuesday, Wednesday. Tuesday, Wednesday. So okay, got it, got it, got it. So it's uh, it's already concluded. I was looking at the uh, the notebook update, so I was thinking maybe on Wednesday they got ah, shaken down. Right. So anyway, um, but yeah, lots of uh, lots of excitement to come from that. Um, there was uh, some uh, testing cut short by some mechanical stuff, but nothing too exciting, I don't think. As far as my notes, did you see anything, Chris? As far as uh, any no, hiccups? As far as I'm aware, no crashes. Um, but from what I've heard, pretty much everyone has had some sort of trouble. Um, and from you know Graham Goodwin, if he had, uh, if you don't, if you haven't already watched the racer videos, um, they had a Monday night one and then they had a Tuesday one. They didn't post anything for Wednesday, unfortunately, but pretty pretty awesome. But um, from Graham Goodwin, the MP is saying uh, like none of the teams are confident going into the Rolex. Um, so um, we'll, we'll save the discussion. When for 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 the Rolex Twenty Four podcast is about you know reliability and how P two is good with overall, we're gonna save that discussion because I think it's too early yet. Um, but I think the one of the main things here that came out of this testing weekend is that the announcement that there's gonna be a reserve list because there's way too much interest in this race. Yeah, yeah, that was always gonna happen, and um, you know it's it is weird how in a in a in a way. If they even wanted to fit more cars into this race, they couldn't just because of uh, the, the the pit road and how that that's set up. It's just, um, I mean, they they could potentially put more cars in here, but they're basically at their max. And I mean, we have a really busy future ahead of us, not just next year, but um, in the years to follow. So this seems like a natural progression of of uh, of where it's at. And um, honestly, uh, it's it's good news. Um, and it's something that I feel like we were inevitably going to hit once we had the merger. Um, and it just, it's, it's not necessarily surprising, but it has taken a long time for us to get this point where the Rolex 24 gets the status kind of as a, the 24 hours of Le Mans where it, you do have a reserve list, you do have a wait list. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's exciting just because, the, you know, of what the, what it, in the implications of it mean. It means that there's a lot of people wanting to show up at this race that we, uh, that we're all very interested in to begin with. Right. It, it's, it, it really is bittersweet because, on one hand, like you said, it shows that there's massive interest in this event. That there's so many, like, apparently there's over 70 cars that applied for 61 grid spots. 
Uh, and then, you know, obviously people are going to be, people are going to be sent home, um, which is very unfortunate. And this is kind of brand new in our side of the world because Le Mans, they always had, you know, invite only um, and then the reserve list and you know, stuff like that. That's always been, it's always been there. Like that's not, not really been a point of contention. But since this is, I believe this is the first time we've ever had it for the Rolex, uh, a few people who mainly only watch IMSA, right? Like they like IMSA is like their main sports car consumption. Like the air, only international race they watch is the Uh They got uh, they got pretty mad at this because like they're used to every single car that applies, they get you know they get accepted. And you know what I say to that, that that's communism, Cookie. No, I'm Okay, go ahead. There, there's there's people saying, like in on the Reddit comments, now oh we had you know eighty cars or seventy something cars, even sixty seven in twenty fourteen, like why do they max it at sixty one? And surely, yeah, that was the case in the past. Uh, I know the pit lane allocation thing. I I, I I'll have to check back on twenty fourteen to see how chaotic it was for twenty for 67 cars on pit road and see how they fit that. But I'm going to trust the word of the organizers here more than the, uh, some random Reddit comments because of Dunan, it was like a month ago, had a story on racer.com. He was like, like the, the equipment that like the top teams now use, like they need more space. Um, and then like, and, and, and in general, like space on pit road is a very good thing because you don't want to overcrowd it and it just be a con- like a huge because american pit lanes are already chaotic we don't need to add more to that in my opinion so i think 61 i think 61 is very fair i think that might be the, even the same lamai is 61 right now don't they or is it just 60 i think it's 60 right now uh, and i think i think 61 like 61 is like enough like I, that's, I think that's a perfect number. Like, like, I like fifty. Like, like I know we had like forty, like just a couple of years ago. Now it's terrible. Um, for 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 the Rolex sake, but like I think sixty-one. I think that's fine. I think that's a perfect number. And they had like what 50, high fifties, sixty last year, and some team members uh, were saying like, yeah, it was like really bad last year. Like I couldn't imagine fitting anymore. Uh, that's the case, and yeah, six. I think sixty-one is good. Yeah, it's 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 just tough because you definitely are constra- uh, constrained with space. Uh, I I had a, a hot pass a couple times where I was able to get at least up to the pit wall um, during the race, and there was uh, just to just to say that there was any space available, you know, um, in between anything, you couldn't. I, there was just there was nowhere where you could you know, easily navigate between any amount of pit stalls like they had any extra space. And I know that they were doubling up on certain, um, you know, spaces where it was basically kind of like a generic layout for the the pit. And so you just had some teams that were either sharing a space or they would basically only show up there specifically to pit the car and then just go back to the garage area. So, you know... Um, so, double, so, like, they would have to double stack. Almost essentially double stacking, right. And so, that, so, so, that would explain the reason why they had, so, like, allowed so many entries. And in this case, you know, they're treating... It's it's Arlema. I pr- and I'm relatively sure, like, they, they want to make sure every single team has, like, their own box, which is understandable, considering this is, you know, professional. 
Yeah, I mean, really, it's going to take um, a reconfiguration of, of the pit lane and, you know, doing something a little bit more creative with this space to allow uh, more teams to be able to get up to the pit wall and service their cars. You know, you could still have, you could have more cars, but just have the actual um, space that's given to the teams be a little bit narrower and maybe run that back a little bit farther so that, you know, you can have maybe a more thin area in terms of behind the wall but in front of the wall it's still a normal space so you still stop in that general area and you still communicate between your neighbors to make sure you're not coming at the same time kind of deal um that could be done to maybe service more cars um where you're not double stacking teams on top of each other uh but yeah it's just that's that's kind of the caveat here where it's um it's all down to whether or not uh you know for safety reasons you know the nascar style pit lane is you know can service more than you know 60 61 cars right now and it definitely could before but like some of the comments said in the in the uh podcast chat here uh, you know even the even the car lengths for for that were different too so um you you're talking a lot longer prototypes and especially for factory teams um a lot of them are going to want to have uh their factory setups right next to um, their pits and so this might also just be a fact of uh, there's going to be so many different specific factory geared stuff on the pits that they just can't do anymore for the actual privateer efforts that are going to be sharing the wall as well so um, but yeah I mean I would love to see as many cars as humanly possible on the track at, at any time but um, they're definitely if you've ever been near the Rolex 24 pits especially when it's going on or have had ha- had a hot pass at all um, you could definitely see where it gets really, really busy, even if there's, it's in the dead of night, and you know it's it's kind of a lull on the track. It still is a whole circus behind the pit wall. So, and I, I know a lot of people are trying to because I know like people like people who grew up with this race. You now this is due to them. Like so change is hard. Um, like they they they're used to you know all every everybody being accepted. They had this in the past. Like oh why can't we do it like we did in the past. And then they came up with suggestions like, "Oh, let's just do, let's just do, have multi teams just use one box. So if you have like two or three cars, they have to share the same box. Which, and you're gonna have these multi car teams try to weasel their way around. It's like, oh no, actually, we're not Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan racing. We're like uh, Ray Hall racing, or it's just a, like a different change in the name or something like that. Try to." Like, because they'll, they'll, and, and plus, it's a huge disadvantage uh, compared to just single car teams. Because what if two cars have to pit at the same time? Then you're double stacking or triple stacking in some cases. So, and, and plus, if you're double stacking, where does that leave the other car on pit road to wait? In, in, in an already stacked pit lane, that just creates an even more dangerous situation. Because then you get just car, just cars sitting there stationary, it, presumably in the in the black stuff, not, not even in the proper pit lane. Um, so, I, so I, yeah, I think this is what people are going to have to deal with. I think it's just going to uh, be the max for now until, until, yeah. until I guess, IMSA kind of convinces us otherwise. It's just not – I just don't see where um, they're going to have really the, the traction to want to move it higher up unless there really is – you know, calls because a lot of teams are getting pinched out or something like that. And again, yeah, I mean, just like the chat says, I don't know if, 
you know, IMSA is big enough yet to to be calling for track modifications, not track modifications, but facility modifications specifically just for IMSA. Um, you know, and, and again, some of it can just be location based changes where because like how the fencing is, um, it's really tight. I mean, you know, I, I know that it's for specific reasons and that, you know, a lot of that space up there is um is and also when it's daytona uh, 500 they have it for like the like a press area and like it just keep you know people separated and all that stuff but like just going back there it is so tight it you know it almost has that like Le Mans 1971 movie like you're in the back of Le Mans garages feel where it's really tight and everybody's just walking you know just like having to make room and make space it, that's how it feels um even like i said like at two in the morning so it's it's definitely, I mean, it, it could be better for uh, endurance racing, but, you know, I, until until the money's been put down and people are like, yeah, we, you know, uh, Daytona's like, yeah, we need to make this change for uh, the Rolex 24. I'm just not going to buy it. You know, it's just, it's we're going to play within the NASCAR Daytona 500 rules until somebody says otherwise. And I, I think this is where we're looking at the cap for cars. Yeah, I just thought that was a big point of contention for some people. And that was an interesting topic to bring up. But we had some other news. MDK Motorsports, once again, like I said earlier, with the, uh, the Magnuson uh, father and son duo. Uh, they seem to be competing, or at least punching their ticket in the Rolex with, I believe, a Porsche. Um, and then you got um, Racer's Edge Motorsports with that red Acura NSX that we saw at Sebring last year. They said they're doing the Endurance Cup. Um, Volt Racing. The, if you know the bright yellow highlighter yellow, uh, I believe it was an Aston last year, mm-hmm. or, or, or maybe it was a Porsche. I, I have to double check on my facts there. But they won. I believe they won the championship last year in NPC. They're moving up with the right motorsports uh, in that highlighter yellow livery. Uh, Kevin Estra is going to be in that car. So you got like the Trent Heidman. Um, there it was. A, it's a Nor- I believe it's a Norwegian guy. I can't pronounce his last name. Um, and they got Kevin Estra in the car. Uh, so that'd be that'd be interesting to see, and then of course, um, you know, they're working on the entry list, or at least a very clear picture on who's in and who's out by the so record this podcast on a Friday, so middle of next week. So that's apparently um, when we're going to see who's in and who's out of the Rolex Twenty Four for twenty twenty three. So that's from that's. So the Rolex is only a month and a half away by now, but we also had uh, the ACO and the FIA release some new sporting regulations for the WEC, which includes, I believe, they're closing yellow. They're closing the pits during full course yellows. Um, so that'd be interesting change. Uh, they're not going to close the pits during uh, slow zones for Le Mans, uh, so don't have to worry about that. Uh, and then. They did something interesting with the points. So, so in the manufacturers championship, what they're doing is they're allowing two. They're allowing two cars of each manufacturer to be allowed to be to contend for points for the main manufacturer world championship. And then what they're what they're going to do is that they're gonna, they're going to take the excess. So basically, you know, customer cars like you know, basically the Porsche customer teams and then any excess car from any other manufacturer, they're going to compete in something called the Hypercar World Cup. And uh, what are your opinions on that, Cookie? I know some people were 
kind of frustrated because, you know, oh, privateer teams now can't contend for a world championship. Um, if, if, if there's already the factory team doing the two-car mandate. But just to be clear, uh, the drivers in those teams, they, all of the drivers in, in the hypercar class can still compete for the Drivers' World Championship. It's just strictly down to teams. Um, so what's your opinion, Cookie? Do you think this is a good idea? Do you think they'll even attract maybe more privateers now that they have a chance to win the title to not compete with the big boys? Or do you think it will deter them because they can't compete overall? I, I, I mean, I just don't think it has any bearance at all, really. I mean, I guess there there can be a, an aspect where privateers would want to win an overall championship as a team for a team's championship, but um, yeah, it's just, it, it's hard <clears throat> because I, I guess you could have done it like that where you have a uh, a hypercar teams championship and then you do a hypercar fact, you know, a factory championship, something like that. Um, I mean, the ACO is at least trying to do something with the clearly like this has been a this has been an ongoing thing for a long time, even in Group C. I mean, they would the 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 World Manufacturers Championship. You know, I, I believe it used all points from any of the manufacturers that would participate, right? So if there was a Porsche that won it, that was not you know the Rothmans factory team, they still got factory points back then. So it was you still had you know like if you had more teams competing anyway you had a higher chance of winning the championship so in a, in a way i do like this fact where the oems themselves regardless of anything like this is their strategy to to beat the others the other oems are competing against um so i i think i like it from that aspect where it's at least trying to do something um but at the same time, it does feel a weird because I do want to see privateers not necessarily be shunned off of anything specific. I do like to see David and Goliath when it comes to championships, and this basically separates the Davids and Goliaths. But um, at the end of the day, all the privateers are still going to want to win. Um, they're still going to want to win Le Mans. The drivers, I think, you know, and the teams themselves, I think, are going to push and promote their brand. Um, I think some of this is also part of it can be uh, the teams themselves, especially the LMDH GTP teams um, can make more of a name for themselves to be like, look, we're winning the races and our factory team isn't. So, um, and you all want to win Le Mans. So I, I, I think this won't deter teams as much as people might think. I don't think this really promotes anything. I, like I, I, to me, I don't think this really changes too much. But it's it's an interesting experiment that I don't mind to see how I feel as the season goes on. Because, I don't know, there might be a point um, after Le Mans where I'm like, yeah, this is kind of interesting. Like, we're we're including it in discussions. And, you know, if we're collectively including it in post-race discussions where we're talking about this, like, I think they might have hit on something. But, we, I, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I don't think it will work immediately off out the gate, but I can see where it can work. Um, I just, I, I, I do want the problem to somewhat be tried to, to, to be attempted to be tackled, I should say. Um, because I do think that there is a discrepancy between the factory teams and the privateer teams and, and that there should be some recognition or there should be some ability for the other teams that aren't necessarily factory funded to get some, um, to show where they stand a little bit more in the public eye than where they internally stand. Because a lot of it, I think, too, is just opinions. And if anything, this might at least show a little bit more 
uh, factual based numbers, you know, on, you know, written down on paper kind of thing of like, Hey, these, these guys aren't factory, but they're very good. And this is the reason why, you know, so interesting idea. We'll see if it works. Thing they did was they released some more information on the GT3 class for 2024. It's going to be called LM GT3, which uh, that that makes sense. Uh, it has GT3 in the name, so people know what it is. It has you know LM in there, which you know they already have you know LM GTE, LMP2, uh, Lamar Hypercar. So brand, it's it's branding basically, but they still have the GT3 title in the name. Uh, so I think people are going to be happy about that. They're not just going to name it some some random thing just because they can. Um, and then the interesting note here. So we all know how some people were GT3 premium. A lot of people were uh, were kind of picking sides on it. From what sounds like, regular the regular GT3s will be allowed to enter, and 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 the kit that they were going to use. Whether they're going to make people use, that's going to be opposite. Uh, not now. Nah, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not going to be mandatory. It's going to be the opposite of that. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be optional. So that'll be interesting to see come 2024 how many people, or how many manufacturers and teams, um, take up on the kit, and see how that goes compared to just a regular GT3 car. Uh, we'll have to have to wait and see on that. But I know. The people who are frustrated because, you know, why can't they use regular GT3s? Why they can't, you know, I think they're going to be happy in that camp. And then you're going to people like me who kind of wanted to see something different than regular GT3. You know, now they have the option to do, you know, to add the kits on if they want to. So that's another update from um, the, the, I think it was like the commission they did that they have. And um, mm-hmm. uh, then we have some calendar news. But this is from Endurance Info, so it's not confirmed. Uh, this is one. Uh, this was actually a couple weeks ago to a month ago. Endurance Info released a paywalled article that said that 2024 Qatar is looking to be the opener of the season, and Sebring will be out. So, uh, Cookie, you're you're a Sebring fanatic. I would understand that this information would deeply frustrate you. Yes. What, what are your thoughts? Uh, my frustration is uh, is un uh, unfathomable, and my day is ruined. How about that? <laughs> we'll see. I mean, hey, uh, they've. I mean, money talks. Uh, I don't know <laughs> what what more to say on that specific subject outside of that's just kind of how the world works right now, and. If uh, if they got the dough, I guess they're gonna they're gonna get the show. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I, we'll we'll see if uh, Sebring fights back. I, I, I it's this is definitely a golden goose for them. Like, uh, they definitely hit on stuff that works. And um, I, you know, I it would be it would be unfortunate to see that go. Although at the same time, um, you know, it's like I. I it's tough for that. I say it's more of a tough sell because you usually just don't see um, two major motorsport events take place in the same weekend like that. So I mean, you don't never see an Indy Five Hundred and a, you know, and I don't know a Darlington, you know, or a Southern Five Hundred take place in the same, you know, the same weekend at the same track kind of deal where it's like one's a huge race and another one's a historic, you know, like something that of equally historical significance, but you know, of like two different series that 
both of them show up the same thing. So it's it's extremely unique. Now you know I think that's the thing that weighs on the WC execs that are like, well, we're giving up X amount of money, and I'm sure Qatar is willing to pay it. So um, yeah, I mean, and, and and that's the thing, um, Qatar, they're probably willing to pay you know the travel for the teams as well. Yeah, they um, they would. Yeah, yeah. Pay the freight and uh, so and then uh. But I do have some interesting rumors. They're going to still keep a race in the States. That's still, that's still what they want. It's still an important market, obviously. Obviously, Indianapolis came up in the rumors. But uh, something you would be interested in, Cookie. Like, obviously, this is just conjecture. I wouldn't treat it as fact. But one of the things they're toying around with was having the, a, a WEC round the week before Petit Le Mans hmm. at Road Atlanta, you you heard that right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm how, not... how how would you feel? Would would that be a a suitable uh, consolation prize, so to speak? No, I mean not really. I I think I, I just I don't know. I I think that they really just need to to do their own thing and market it as its own thing. It, it just it, it can't mirror something that's in the states, especially if you're not going to combine the races. And I mean if. I, I know everybody hated 2012, um, and it wasn't necessarily the greatest um, <laughs> legible, understandable uh, race that you could possibly follow ever. Um, but there was that aspect that you know it like everybody was competing for the 12 hours of Sebring, so like they had different reasonings for being there and uh, championships implications for different ones for different reasons. But everybody still wanted to win that specific race, and I feel like if you're just going to try to if the WC is going to try to ride coattails off of some of the IMSA major event weekends, they should just focus on doing their own thing in the States because people will absolutely show up for it because people, you know, if they do the right stuff, if they market it to the right thing, because people show up for these things too. And I just feel like if they're going to try to run it on a similar weekend, it's just going to be hard for people like hardcore endurance fans. It's going to be hard for them to take two weeks. Out. Like, I don't know if I can, take an entire week and a half off of uh <laughs> of life just to hang out at road atlanta for for two for a week and a half you know so i i just i i genuinely think that for something to work in the uh, in the states they have to adopt something like how the camping stuff is at petite or daytona or sebring or Watkins Glen. like they need that kind of grassroots stuff where people are going to show up and camp for that kind of thing and they also need to do it where it's not, you know, taking um, part of a weekend or taking, you know, riding alongside something else that's going on in, certain, in terms of the endurance sports car racing world in the U.S. Like, they, they just need their own identity when it comes to something like that. And whether that's going to Petite um, or going to Road Atlanta in the spring, doing a May WC race there, I don't know, um, or going to Sebring in the fall. Uh, but just doing something different where they're, like they're setting their own identity with that, I think would go a long way, especially with how IMSA's rebounded it extraordinarily well and how Formula One's doing as well, too. I mean, they could take a gamble and probably knock it out of the park more than fail at this point. And let me let me be a foil because it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be, uh, be boring if all of us just agreed all the time. If they move away from Sebring, this could this mean that WEC teams would be more likely to actually compete in the actual 12-hour. 
So that's what that's one of the trying to one of the pauses I'm trying to gain from this. Um, well, um, yeah, shipping, maybe shipping, shipping, shipping and freight. Uh, I mean, we'll, to, we'll just have to wait and see where the cards fall on when this guitar race happen on when guitar happens. Um, but I mean, te- some WEC teams already have bases in the U.S. Um, like um, A of Corsa. I'm trying to remember. Iron Links is uh, setting up shop in Detroit for their um, Lamborghini program. Um, I mean, we'll have to, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. And I, I, I think, I mean, I don't think we're going to see you know the WC hypercar teams compete if they're in Qatar and ship, shipping you know uberly. I don't know. I don't. I don't think the hypercar teams would probably get any more crossover. Uh, but the GT teams, I could see some crossover in that, especially since some of them have uh, U.S. bases. And uh, so, I don't know. I, I, that's one of the hopium I am consuming because I do like. Uh, Super Sebring. I mean, the only downfall is for people who are not at the track is that it's on a Friday. Um, that's really the only downfall of it, which I guess, I think that's one of the main reasons the WEC is kind of like, eh. Yeah, like, that would make sense too. It's just, it's eh. it's an awkward time for them. I mean, and they and they do play second. It is, it's just, it doesn't fit. And although it is such a treat for those of us who can go and watch it, it's just, it doesn't necessarily fit a hundred percent well for like the venue that it's at. And that's what, uh, I think really gets, uh, I, I think that's the one little ire that unfortunately is just going to kind of, uh, do Sebring in, I think as holding the super Sebring moniker for too much longer. Cause it's just, um, it, it, it works, but for what I think the, the environment is right now, it just, they could absolutely try somewhere else and probably, you know, and succeed at this point. I don't know if going back to Coda is going to do it. I don't know if Indianapolis is really going to work either. Um, I know a lot of people are dedicated motorsport fans, but it's just the atmosphere of what I think Sebring, especially for what the FIA and ACO, I be- and what I truly believe, at least have been witnessing at Sebring and when they go to Petite and all this stuff, especially at the NAC rounds, like they see the dedicated fans, they see the, they see the crazy campsites, they see the RVs, they see all the people that are there, just like Lamar. And it's just the the problem is just outside of Sebring, they keep going to these places or hinting at these places in the U.S. that just do not feature that. They don't feature that kind of atmosphere. And um, I think the FIA clearly are interested in capturing this uh, this demographic, or at least like the the North American demographic. But I think too, um, they're rightfully looking at the right spots. But I just don't know how they get to that um, if they go to Indianapolis or go to Coda. So. Um, I'm fine with giving up Sebring. They just need to go somewhere else that is better than those two venues, in my opinion. So, all right. So I think we pretty much touched on all that we had here. Uh, the, the information that we missed. There's a lot of news, a lot of changes happening in the world of sports car racing. Now let's end this off here on a little little fun note. Uh, Christmas is coming up. Uh, less than what six? It's like what 15, 16 days now. Yeah, something like that. Well, what would be for 2023? What would be your 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 Christmas wish for the world of motorsports? What would you like to happen oh boy. in the world of motorsports for 2023? Um, sarcastic answer or serious answer? Now, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah. 
I don't know, um, a successful rollout of LMDH and LMH GTP regs. Uh, I, I guess a where BOP isn't 100% of the conversation next year. That would be my wish. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Uh, it, WEC is is pretty much banning team members and, and uh, personnel for teams to talk about BOP on social media or make comments on it on during interviews. So have fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's uh, it's not going to be a rule that's going to be upheld too much. Uh, I feel like I, I don't know. I basically what they're trying to reduce from team members and crew is going to be just amplified on the internet. Like it's just being shoved some. Like this is going to be shoved somewhere else. Like if the, like it would be nice that the press, like the press, don't have like BOP comments like to make stories out of. But that's only going to be shifted to like people on the internet to have even more reasons to think it's a conspiracy. You know, cuz they're sens- they're censoring. Yeah. You know, but at at, at the end of the day, it's it's I mean, at the you know, we're all we're all race fans, so um I don't know. I I just I feel like it's yeah, it'll be annoying and nonsensical of a of arguments to come from it, but but I think the important thing is, is they didn't just do it because, you know, they can't take criticism. They did it because they don't want to have teams and drivers make comments to try to influence the outcome of BOP. That right. was the main concern. They're, they're, they're going scorched earth on it, but uh, then, you know, because those drivers and teams, they can sway public opinion and they can, you know, they could just make life hell for the people who are trying to do the BOP as best as they could. Um, so yeah, so that, that's one thing. Um, I'll, I'll let you continue on. With what you're no, saying. no, no. I mean, I, I, I just, uh, I, I think it, it might it might draw ire than it you know more than it needed to by the way that they did it, but honestly, I'm fine with it. I don't have a problem with with that. I, I think again, I, I just feel like everybody is very used to how communication works and social media works and all that stuff. So like, there is a codified way that you have to go about addressing even in sporting regulations or or, or how you are addressing the public that is interested in your in your sporting brand. Um, how things are going on, and especially the uh, opinions that are said in the in the individuals that work in your sport, and much like motorsport itself, there's it just reaches so many individual people um, that you could you could make an argument that they have a valid opinion on the matter, and whether or not that they do, it's just there are so many out there that can that can make that claim because like it's the same thing for in my opinion for sports. Um, for sports broadcasting or whatever for um, the major like American sports too there's definitely like I'm gonna there's uh, authorities on the matter of like that they've either been through an experience or whatever or that they've researched this blah blah, blah. Um, and then it's just up to your own opinion on on how v- valid other people's sources are or you know how uh, valid other pe- other people's opinions are and in motorsport there's just there is so many opinions that you could validate as being legitimate that can come that have so many different varies of influence of whether or not that they're just angry at a specific system a specific team a specific person and the one thing i think in the last 20 years more as far as taught us is that there is i don't want to say it, there's infighting but there's a lot of you know back channel stuff that isn't necessary like you, you don't ever suspect 
um, everybody in motorsport to be kind of like having specific opinions about everything, but they do. And I, I genuinely think that, uh, especially with uh, the way social media has gone and the way that the sport has leaned into social media, um, there is a bit of a bend don't break attitude with this kind of push. And I think that um, next year you could uh, you could absolutely see a breaking point if you didn't you know if you had all these teams and had all their team members um, feeling you know okay enough and open enough to talk about this uh, on social media and you can really start to see a lot of problems that can come up from that. So I don't know that was a big grant, but I, I just. Um, I'm not for censorship, and I don't necessarily see this as being censorship. I, I see this as being a way of, um, you know, curtailing, like, like an obvious human factor that we're trying to eliminate. I mean, you know, we're talking about trying to re- replace referees and umps as much as possible with with um, computers, and I do feel like this is them at least trying to understand and contemplate the human side of motorsport and that people have lives people have opinions people see things in in, behind the garage that could influence people outside of the sport correctly or incorrectly and really influence the sport in a negative way and so i'm fine as long as they're open with this kind of these kind of decisions like they are to continue doing this kind of stuff because i do think it's important but um i don't want to see it all of a sudden become things of like uh, no criticism of the ACO in general or blah, blah, blah. But I do think that uh, um, B, uh, BOP bashing is, you know, it's a, it can, it's, it's valid. It's annoying. And it also can be just, you know, like it can be influential, which is weird. It's a weird concept to say about literally a concept of motorsport. Uh, like I, I just didn't think we'd ever get to this point. <laughs> like, I don't know. If, if you ask if you ask me in 2003 if we'd ever get to this point where we're coming up on 20 years uh, later where we're talking about like how how social media discussion of a of a of a product of a mo- of endurance racing to to balance performance can influence the actual balancing of the cars that are performing on the endurance uh, like that's that's ridiculous that's ridiculous I, I just and that, but. Uh, Again, my rant is aside, like that's my point is that I feel like a lot of people too, when they're looking at this and going like, oh wow, that's 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 stupid. It's just like, I don't know, man. Twenty years twenty years ago I absolutely was said this kind of stuff was stupid anyway, but I can honestly see some of the, the weird little reasons for doing it and why literally people are trying why this stuff is being implemented in the first place. Like it's technology's crazy, man. It's weird. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, that was a little cookie rant, but um, I mean, it's it's not it's not a certified fresh podcast until a cookie rant gets placed. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? I'll be the first to say BOP is going to suck. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> it, it might very well be for the first couple of races because we're doing LMDH machinery now. Yeah, so they might take some. It might it might be some te- like IMSA. I think IMSA will have an easier time because they don't have LMH. To deal with, they'll just have LMDH straight across the board. Uh, but, but but definitely for for WEC, like that first round at Sebring, uh, that's going to be. I think I think there were going to be some teething issues there. Um, but so, I, I, I finally I will say this is this doesn't excuse the FIRACO at all from like having to understand that the okay. the, the, the system that they're implementing is rife for criticism, whether that's positive or negative. Anyway, it's susceptible to that. 
and the way that they're interacting with their fans is via social media and all that stuff. So this doesn't necessarily at all excuse their their responsibility to at least be able to service the complaints and criticism, the valid complaints and criticism that could come in as well from this. So that at least as long as they have appropriate internal channels to be, you know, um, you know, uh, realizing some of these teams, drivers, or personnel's complaints. Um, I have no problem with any of this stuff as, you know, as long as all this stuff stays internal and stuff is hashed out. But if there isn't any back um, back channels for that stuff, then I don't like this either, you know? Like, there has to be some open discussion when it comes to this stuff because it, it is a moving target. And, you know, we do need to make sure that we are, we're still employing a system that's fair and that it's, and that there isn't any issues with it. So, I mean, I, I think that is also the right of some of the fans and also of the other teams and, and drivers as well. So they're going to want to know that. Okay. I guess still kind of related to BOP. This is going to be the worst segue, uh, segue ever. Uh, my, Motorsport wish for or Motorsport Christmas wish for 2023, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with IMSA on this one because we we talked about a decent bit. Better broadcasting. uh, I don't know how many times where like there'll be a battle in GTD, like they'll be they'll just be going at it, and all we're doing is focusing on like. Jimmy Johnson or the Chip Ganassi cars because NBC wants to focus on a storyline. Stop it! Like I don't care like what what uh, Renus VK tweeted. Sa- save it when the race is dead. Like if there's like battle, especially class leads, they don't even focus on like GT like, GTD class leading. Like like they'll just like oh here's a DPI car. Well now it's gonna be GTP. Here's a here's a car running all alone because we want. Talk about what he ate for breakfast. <laughs> Stop it! Like, I, I, and, 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 and it's bad on both sides of the aisle. Like, NBC has like like the better commentators and the better graphics, but obviously, like the commercials are like a deal breaker. And the Peacock is good when they're not on NBC because then you get the com- the commercial free stuff. IMSA Radio is just the, the commentary is bad when because like they'll have. Like high, high, like because it's because it's radio, they won't focus on what's happening on screen. Um, and but they're but they're like the main, the, like the official English language provider for like the international stream. So like they'll go off tangent for like thirty minutes with like the head of like VP Racing or something, while like like a, a Lamborghini like. Kareem's down the front stretch and flies over the fence into Lake Lloyd. And they won't touch on it for another like forty minutes. Like it's like they need to do better. Like I, I appreciate. Like I don't know. It frustrates me that the racing in IMSA is good. It's it's very good, but the broadcast just doesn't catch it. And this is something that they can learn from WEC. I know some IMSA fans might get mad at me for that, but d- learn from the WEC. Where they literally like if there's if there's like a battle for like fourteenth more billionth place in like GTE Am, you're like okay, let, let's focus on that because that's racing. Yeah, it, it, it's I don't know, that that's just I just don't care for the for the whole 
storyline pomp and circumstance type. I, just, I mean, it's the, it's the, the it's, racing. it's American broadcast in general, though. I mean, that's that's it. There, it's all plug and plugs and all that stuff. I mean, the only reason why ESPN isn't like that, I mean, um, is because that they were using live feed. I mean, even going back to uh, or international feeds, even going back to speed. I mean, they would have to use the international feeds, so they really couldn't put any of their own little stuff in there. Um, and speed, for the most part, didn't do that fully i just uh, but like fox and tnt nbc you know uh espn would like for indycar nascar like they all for american broadcasts that's that's how this is this is the cut and paste how you do now you know motorsport broadcasting in the united states you have to do it this way and nbc prides themselves on doing it that way and i feel like kind of mimicking the fox uh nbc espn like broadcasts of how they do nascar and indycar like that is the way to do it and you have to have like you know these side pieces about drivers or blah 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 like always you know like you have that's the prep and i feel like whenever we're watching a wc race you know that the the broadcast prep for that entire weekend was them at the track just in the paddock walking around taking notes talking to people um you know basically being fully involved in the race weekend and not necessarily having to queue up that info to talk about you know the the daughter's birthday that happened that the driver was attending or i don't know you know and and that's something that is i, I want to just say as exclusively it's an american thing like it's just like that we have to dedicate in, in terms of the broadcast or production crew like that's they always have to dedicate that amount of time to it and I, like i just i know that that's something that I, I think people it gets endearing to a point um but yeah i'm i'm with you i would rather get a full broadcast of the race you know at the same time of uh you know, like like you would at any other kind of sporting event, where you'd either get a you know a serious radio or um, a video broadcast of the of the event, and I just feel like both counts. Sometimes we just kind of get, you know, it's part ad, it's part you know time fill, and it's part just kind of like mishmash, kind of putting together a broadcast to make it fit into a form that it really doesn't that isn't really appropriate like it's an endurance race if it's six hours i'd rather listen to somebody who would like intimately watch an endurance race for six hours and like try to remember every single detail about that six hour race and somebody who's like wow this is a great six hour race and i'm glad i was here but i kind of don't know you know like i'm just kind of filling air you know i and I feel like that's where the NBC and sometimes even the IMSA radio broadcast can kind of get be jarring compared to WC and I don't want to even say Eurosport, but um, from what we're what we're used to sometimes on the international level, it can definitely be jarring to constantly be stuck in that format in the US. And I just think that's what it's that's that's the problem that we're kind of stuck with, especially with the NBC crew. Um, it's always just those like extra little things. And Steve Latart or somebody else will show up and it's like, I love him. He's great. But, like, I don't need to know, like, a NASCAR crew chief does not need to be, like, giving me extra details and stuff. Like, I'll show up with a pen and paper and start taking notes from stuff because I feel like I'll, I'll like, <laughs> you know, like, I'll talk, I, you know, I know what people look like. and I'll talk to the right people of, like, trying to get some updates here instead of, like, oh, is this the right, you know, who do you think is going to win this weekend? It's like, okay, well, that's cool. I, like, I kind of believe you when it's for NASCAR, but for here, I don't really know if you know what any of this stuff does or is. Like, that's my only complaint with it, so... And uh, just so um, humbug, you know, a lot of humbug. Yeah, so sometimes like you know they'll like 
uh, Justin Bell did this when he worked for Fox. Like, he'll go into the crowd, like the campsites and stuff. Um, I'm fine with that because, A, they would usually do that stuff, like, when it was, like, night. And usually by that time, the race is settled into a rhythm. There's not really much happening. And if there, and if there was, I remember, I believe I remember, it would be, like, on a split screen. Yeah. So was, or, or during caution. You know, like, stuff like that when there's nothing happening and under caution or do it under split screen, like, then fine. Right. Um, but I don't want to see, you know, Rutledge Wood prancing around in the infield when there's a battlefield lead in GTD. You know, like, wow, look at the Ferris wheel. I was like, I don't, <laughs> I know there's a Ferris wheel there, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> he, he not, I mean, but he, they nail it. They nail it, man. They, they really point out where the Ferris wheels are. I, I, I see the, I, I see the, um, you know, I, I see where they're coming from, where they're, they're, you know, it's the same thing as Indy 500 of like showing the wife on the white flag every time. Like they've oh, stopped the doing flag, it yeah. as much, but they would do that religiously, man. I mean, just, and to the point where like, I feel like they would like, there's no way they didn't hear that criticism at all. And then they just like leaned into it more. Cause I feel like they had like multiple split screens of like multiple wives at one point too. And it was just like, my God, dude, but it's just, that's you know those are the people those are the producers behind you know controlling the buttons uh, for the most part of controlling um, what broadcasts we actually see and until we get people that like specifically value the sport that they're watching more than like necessarily the the emotional uh, wave and undulations of the broadcast itself and how that like will interplay with the the multi demographics that might pay attention to certain parts of this race to get them in hooked involved in all this like. Like they just need somebody that's dedicated. Of like, I'm a racing fan, and a racing fan would much appreciate it if we did this. And I just feel like, not necessarily it, that that hasn't been in mind, but I feel like ultimately that decision isn't the one that's made. It's like these are my suggestions, and then half of them are kind of taken. And I, I do wish we would get more broadcasts that really are featuring like, all right, when it comes down to it. The other stuff can all go away. What what do we need to produce a fantastic race event for the true dedicated race fans that are going to tune in to watch this? And I, you know, maybe that's going to involve an F one TV stream that's separate that is just technical. And maybe hopefully we get something like that in the future. But um, I think there's it, we're definitely seeing that discrepancy of like technical minded info that that uh, part of the fan base desperately wants to have and just a generic um, intro of like these are race cars you know kind of thing that I think is important to the sport itself too so anyway and, and I just don't want to just be a huge huge moaning session because like I do enjoy like the NBC broadcast it's know, it's, it's a fiddle of mine for whatever reason but like when they have like interviews like they, when they go down to the pits they actually have shots of like the pit reporters mm -hmm. so like that's i think that's something from that's missing from the international broadcast because then you can get more information when you have a camera down in the pit lane with a pit report because sometimes the pit reporter would be like here's the piece that just you know came off of the 10 car or something or here's yeah. how the tires are looking yeah um and then they'll talk to like uh, team engineers and and like they'll have you know drivers and, and i like that because you get the seed you can to see the, the drivers, you the, you know know their faces more, see see the people who run the team, and they'll usually have that um, in a separate box as well. So that's that's perfectly fine. But but and, and also the Rolex Twenty Four specifically, like you mentioned, Steve Letarte, 
he can absolutely go. <laughs> um, but I do love the crossover that that, that brings. Like, yeah, I, I do too. I do too. Like you, you can keep you can keep Dale Junior. Um, like he's like obviously he's not like a sports car driver. But no, like, but he's a he's a perfect race fan because he's curious, he's smart, yeah. and he's like he's always trying to like grow racing in right. any way possible. So like he's a perfect and, ambassador for motorsport right now. Like and yeah, and he has competed in the race before. Like, yep. it wasn't remotely to the same extent of what these cars are now, but he did he did compete. Mm-hmm. Um. He, he at least you know drove on the on the course, and, and like and like you said, like for the purpose of you know being you know just being that race fan, like that that's the perfect example. Then you got you know James Hinchcliffe on the IndyCar side. You now he he's he's done some commentary uh, last year, and he's been doing really good on that front. Um, and they got you know Matt Yoakum, you know Parker Kligerman, um, M- Marty Marty Snyder, like. It, it really is awesome to see the crossover. And I think that's one of the pluses of NBC. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully they'll get, hopefully they'll, uh, they'll get that fixed because uh, I want to see actual racing, not just you know, a, dri- a driver or a car, you know, racing all alone because you know they want to talk about what he tweeted for, tweeted during breakfast time. Yeah, and I mean, uh, with the amount of OEMs that are going to be involved too, uh, you know, it's either going to get better or worse. Either they're going to be like, we don't want any more <laughs> of these highlights going to our other OEMs, or we're going to make more highlights to give packages to get to everybody to keep pushing more of our brands. But I think it's going to be the former rather than the latter, or at least fingers crossed for it. So yeah, I, I, I would rather leave advertising to, um, you know, designated times i guess i don't know we'll we'll find out i'm really hopeful that uh this year is going to see a lot of upgrades and changes um uh, on track and also behind the booth too fingers crossed so but yeah i mean that's our that's our end of the year kind of wrap i guess uh for december for no yeah december i guess kind of we'll be rolling through um rolling through into the new year and then uh i think we'll do a podcast as soon as the roar is over i think and uh, we'll do a little recap of that before the twenty-four. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we're reaching about two hours, like you said, perfect time to to end it. I think, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do some planning here while all the other others listen in. This is this is the plus of listening to the uh, the final stint podcast, mm. part of the endurance chat. I think we're gonna have a separate show towards the beginning of the year. Because we still haven't talked about a a record-breaking Asian Le Mans series grid, forty-eight cars for that. Oh we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll dive into more details for that. Because as soon as the Rolex starts, I mean, the after then they have then they have the Bathurst twelve hour. There's no time to talk about Asian Le Mans. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll we'll talk about then. Plus, uh, we'll talk about the Gulf twelve hour results very quickly. Uh, more and and then more in depth and towards the you know Bathurst twelve hour Kailami nine hours because those are coming up in february as well mm-hmm. and any other sports car changes and then what we'll do is we'll leave the rolex 24 preview um i would say i would say after qualifying so because qualifying is a week a week earlier than the rest of the event so that gives us so like that gives us an entire week to talk about uh the race weekend, which I think is like quite nice, so we can actually talk about who's on pole, you know, who who's the fastest during testing, and then, uh, 
and, and, and see how we're going to do that show. Uh, who knows? Uh, we could do a we could do a live show, uh, straight after qualifying, or we could just do a pre-recorded one and have it up. Let's sound off, you know, by by race week. But yeah, uh, I would say two episodes is the plan for January. Um, a final stint for the beginning of the month, and then a regular endurance chat episode previewing the 2023 Rolex 24 at Daytona. Uh, so that's the plan. Uh, I think if you have nothing else to add, Cookie, I think we are off and ready to hit the road. No, yeah, we're uh, we're good for the holiday uh, holiday scramble. Um, uh, racing related New Year's resolutions and decisive. I don't know, man. Um, go to more races this year than I did last year. How about that? There we go. I went to I went to four, so I guess I just need to go to more. I need to go to five this year. Next year, how about that? That's what I say. But that that that's all I got. I don't know about you, Chris. You got any New Year's resol- racing related New Year's resolutions? No, I can't go to Lamog in decisive. I got a wedding I got to go to. Other stuff. I can't go this year. Everybody's telling me to go. Hmm. Lamar. I don't know. I, I'm going to go with, with, with a beam answer. Try to find a, a, a video racing broadcast coverage of a racing series out of a country like nobody has ever heard of. Okay. Yeah, make <laughs> sure you can find it a, a stream or uh, or like... Right. Yeah, English preferred or natural sounds uh, is my preference, so let me know. Alright. So stay tuned for the Laotian Formula 7 championship. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by Pennzoil. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So that's been a, another edition of the final stint part of the Endurance Chat podcast. Hope you enjoyed this bit of a long one. It's around two hours from my map. Um, and once again, like we said, we're going to be back in January for another final stint with the Asian Law preview and other miscellaneous stuff, and then a special Rolex 24 preview podcast. So keep on the lookout for those. Uh, have, have yourself a good night, and we'll see you next month. End of the year, Gazoo. Wait, we're keeping the GR010, so definitely like an extra Gazoo for the fact that that stays. So happy Gazoo.